It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore s-t-i-l-e-s you can follow the show on twitter at lo thunderpod email the show lo thunderpod at gmail.com call into the show 405-362-7128 on today's show we're gonna be breaking down the game against the new york knicks this is a bonus episode because we normally only have shows monday through friday so it might not be the normal length of a show but we're gonna dive into this win over the new york knicks so Coming into this game, the Thunder were without Ty Jerome. However, they did get back first-round pick Alexei Pukashevsky. He cleared concussion protocol prior to tip-off, and he was able to play against the New York Knicks. New York was without Obi Toppin, Alec Burks, and Frankie Smokes. Oklahoma City came into this game 3-4, and four, while New York was off to a fantastic start this year at 5-3. and three. The Thunder had won seven of their last eight games against New York. All-time, Oklahoma City is 16-6 and six against New York entering this one. Obviously, they've improved those numbers to 17-6 and six, and also winners of eight of the last nine against New York. The Thunder had the same starters as always, SGA, Dort Hill, Baisley, Horford. The Knicks started uh, Peyton, Barrett, Bullock, Randall, and Robinson. So this game starts out very, very slow, like extremely slow offensively for the Thunder. It looked like it was going to be one of those games where you just 
throw it out of there because it was not even close to indicative of how these two teams are going to play, uh, that there was nothing really to pull from it in that first quarter. It was just dreadful. Uh, obviously, the interior uh, defense was not very good, uh, but that's to be expected at this point. You know, that that's to, that's to be expected whenever you look at this team. They just do not have the bodies to defend inside. Uh, but they did do a really good job of flustering Julius Randle a little bit. Uh, he kind of got out of his comfort zone, and then you saw him deter from what has been so successful for him this season. It's been him initiating the offense and him taking control of the New York offense. But in this game, he has a slow start and he goes away from that. I don't know if that was a coaching decision or if he just by himself went away from doing that as it did not work for the first you know five, six minutes of this game. Then from there, you just kind of saw him get out of his rhythm. Uh, but either way, you've got to give a little credit to the Thunder for having that happen defensively. Uh, but once again, the bench units just bails out Oklahoma City because these starters had them in such a hole. Uh, you know, they, again, just came out flat, but the bench came out on fire. Alexei Pukushevsky has his best game of his career so far. That's not saying much. I mean, he's only played in six games, and we know the struggles he's he's had to this point uh, before concussion protocol. But he goes three for five, looked very confident shooting the basketball, uh, one for three from beyond the arc, had an amazing shot off the dribble, by the way, uh, which was just fantastic to see uh, him pull up with confidence uh, because that's something you worry about with a young player whenever they started out so poorly shooting the basketball. Uh, and then you can hear Chris Fisher just getting elated whenever he makes a shot. Like it is almost as if Chris Fisher is watching a walk on at Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse launch a three when Kansas is up 25 points on UMKC. Like he just gets so excited for Alexei Pukashevsky making a jump shot. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, and then the, he also had six rebounds in this game. Again, we mentioned this before, but Pukashevsky's rebounding efforts with his frame, I know he's seven foot tall, but just with his frame, have been impressive thus far in his career. Also got a block in this one. He's been better defensively than I expected on his way to seven points. But of course, the star off the bench was Hamadou Diallo. Returning home, playing in New York, playing in the Garden. And Shea said after the game that... Hammy loves playing in the garden because whenever he's home, he's in his habitat. And you could see it. He was comfortable. He was playing well. But I, I do want to ensure or, or at least point out that this is not an isolated incident, right? I mean, Hemi, Hemi played really well last game out. Uh, he also played well tonight. And so he's gotten two games now where he's done things on the court that we're not used to seeing. Because in this game, once again, just as he was against New Orleans, he was under control. He was poised. He cut down on the jump shots played a role and played a game for him that really suits his skill set, getting to the rim and doing all those things defensively and getting out in transition. And he goes eight for 13 tonight, 61%. He goes one for two from beyond the arc. And then he also gets to the line eight times. And whenever you can get to the line eight times, you're obviously driving aggressive and you're driving hard, especially coming off the bench and playing 30 minutes. Hemi provided a huge spark for the Thunder. He just did. And I said on the last postgame pod that you got the best game you're going to get from Diallo against New Orleans. He had a better game tonight, and so he's building on something. Now, the thing to remember is, is that this could just be a hot streak, right? So whatever your feelings of Hamadou Diallo were entering these last two games, I don't think that they should change yet because at the end of the day, it's only a two-game sample size. What I will say is encouraging, though, about these two games is that you're seeing Diallo get there the right way. Right. Like, for example, this is not just a miraculous run of him nailing jump shots and step back threes and running the point guard for the second unit. This is not just him doing all the things, you know, he can't do normally. And the shots are just falling, for example, like if he went three for five from three 
on his way to 20 points. If, if he went, you know, four for five from three, if that's how he got to the 20 points, if that's how he got to being a spark for your team, then it would be completely ridiculous to even talk about him turning a corner. And I think it's still ridiculous to talk about that right now. What I will say, though, is that he's laid the foundation, right? He's still a young player. He's still getting into a good role for him. And if he can continue to do this, which is, again, playing poised, under control, cutting down on jump shots, if taking any at all, driving hard to the rim, and simply not doing too much on that offensive end, which is what he had been doing for the length of the season until the last two games, if he can continue to play basketball this way, then all of a sudden you can start to change your expectations for Hamadou Diallo. But I think it's still too premature if you're going to do that right now, right? It's only been two games. A two-game sample size is nothing. So give him credit. Give him a ton of credit for fixing what everyone complained about, including myself. I mean, I've talked about him doing too much. I've talked about him shooting jumpers too much, and I don't want to see him taking another jump shot. I've talked about all of that. And so for him to fix that the last two games, really good. You know, applaud him for that, but we've got to see it for longer than two games. We just do. But this was still a phenomenal effort from Hamadou Diallo, who finishes with over 20 points. He gets 23 points in this game. Also has 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal on the defensive end, and only 1 turnover, which is big because he's getting some ball handling responsibilities in this you know, new format, this new roster construction. He's getting more responsibilities whenever he can bring the ball to the floor, and he can really initiate offense, which is something that we're not really used to him doing. And he's not turning the ball over all that much, especially in this game with only 1 turnover. So credit to him for, there, for that. Uh, the 10 defensive rebounds are huge because he's so athletic and because he can start to push the break a little bit and just simply ending possessions because with this Thunder team, the defensive rebounds are going to be at a premium because they just don't have the bodies to, to go get defensive rebounds and to, and to go in possessions because if you allow an offensive rebound with this specific Thunder team, with the way that this roster is constructed, if you allow an offensive rebound, it's almost guaranteed to be second chance points because you just don't have the bodies inside to, to, to disrupt anything down low. And so getting and ending those possessions on the defensive end is very big. And so Diallo played a big part in that tonight with his 10 defensive rebounds. Shea had six. Lou Dort had six. Darius Baisley had six. Baisley's, again, an underrated defender in this one. Did not have the very best game from Darius Baisley. He took a step back from where he was this last week, but he was on a fantastic hot streak this last week. I think it's just one bad game, but we'll talk about his performance. We're going to talk about how the veterans performed as well, but I just think that Hamadou Diallo is simply an enigma. Like, the safe bet right now, like the safe thing to do is to say he's not going to be a part of the future. Uh, but if he keeps playing the way he did last night and the way he did against New Orleans, he can easily be a contributor off an NBA bench. He can easily be a role player in the NBA. But if he plays more like the way he played in the first four games, then all of a sudden you're looking at him just being a part of the rebuild. And then once you get good again, you need to find a way to replace that, that spot on your roster. So you don't want to overreact to two games, but what you should be watching for is the rest of the season, because this season could be huge for him. Like this season, in my opinion, will decide Diallo's path in the NBA. He has an amazing opportunity. He has all the volume you could ever need in terms of minutes, in terms of ability to create his own shot, in terms of initiating offense. He'll never have this much control over his production level again in the NBA to me. This this construction of the roster is so set up for him to Diallo in the second unit that the rest of the season will truly determine if Emmanuel Diallo is going to be a 12th man or if he'll be a 7th man or an 8th man on your roster. 
So don't go penciling him into the core just yet. Someone has to score points on this team. Someone has to to put up the numbers. But these last two games are a good sign beyond the numbers. These last two games are something that, whenever you're watching it, looks repeatable for him. It looks sustainable for him. If he does cut down the jumpers, if he does just play his game, do not do too much, even as the pressure is on you, on that second unit. And I think that he felt that. I think he felt the pressure of, okay, I'm the longest tenured Thunder player. This is my second unit. I've got to make sure that we're doing our part. And he just simply was out of character those first five games. And now it looks as though he settled into his role. We'll see if that can continue and if he can sustain that throughout this season. But coming up, I do want to talk to you about Darius Baisley and about these veterans. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. I'm going to continue talking about this game. And again, the start was dreadful. I mean, at the half, right, at the halftime break, George Hill, Lou Dort, Darius Basley, three starters, had zero points. Zero. You're not going to win many games like that. You're not going to win many games like this. And even in this win, the Thunder barely crack 101 points. They hold New York to 89 points. You're not going to see many games played with this exact style. In fact, even the next time you play the New York Knicks, I don't think we'll be played in this exact style. But you can enjoy the wins as they come right now. Because eventually, they're going to stop coming. We just know that. So just enjoy what this season brings you. And I wouldn't even worry too much about the tanking specifically. Like about the record and... Uh, going on tinkathon.com and whatnot, because it, it doesn't matter where you're at. Like these new lottery odds, it, it doesn't matter per se where, where you even finish the year at. It matters what happens on lottery night. I mean, look at the look at the Pelicans whenever they got Zion. How do you think that that fan base felt whenever you are projected to get the number one overall pick, you, you had the worst record in the NBA, and then all of a sudden the Pelicans get to tank for two weeks with Anthony Davis sitting out, and, and they get Zion. Leaping up from, what was it, 12? Like, the new lottery odds are, are crazy to me, and it's going to really impact this rebuild. Obviously, you'd rather have you'd rather have the 14% chance. You'd rather have the top chance you possibly could have. But in general, if you're 3 or if you're 5, or if you're 5 and if you're 6, like, in general, 
you can make all of this stuff work and there's still a chance that you rise and fall. And, and so nothing's a sure bet anymore. If this was the NFL, I would be all in on getting that, that number one slot, right? Finishing the worst in the NBA. If this was the NFL, whenever you're guaranteed to be picking there. But when you're not guaranteed to be picking there, just take the games as they come. Now, that does not mean to make a postseason push. It just means that do not fret if this team is going to wind up second worst in the NBA or third worst in the NBA. Because even on this little run that they're on, and even though they're 500 right now, even though they're close to a playing spot, even with all that, I still do not believe that they're a really good team. And as I've said, tanking happens mainly in the second half of the year. And so we'll see enough losses to have this team getting a shot at that top overall pick. Look, the rest of this month is a murder's row in terms of the schedule. Everything will be fine. But what I do want to talk about is Darius Baisley. And Darius Baisley goes 2 for 9 tonight, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 1 block, and 4 points. Simply not enough. It's simply not enough, but he's still young, and you're going to have nights like this. You're just going to have these ups and downs, uh, even for Darius Spacing, for as good as I think he can be. Now, with Shea, he had an amazing game in the Garden, and SGA absolutely took over this game. And I said it in the preview podcast on, on Friday. I said, listen, Shea and MSG, there's just something about it. He's going to go off tonight. What does he do? Three for three from beyond the arc. Had his best night shooting. From three-point land. Gets to the line six times. Four for six. Good job from Shea. Also, goes nine for 14 from the field. A, a very efficient 64%. Shea is one of the most efficient players we've seen in Oklahoma City. What, what he can do with the volume of attempts and the volume of touches and usage, what he can do has just been amazing to watch. He gets 10 rebounds in this one. 25 points. He has three turnovers, did get caught in the air again uh, where he didn't really know what to do and just kind of threw the ball away. That was one of his turnovers. Uh, those things are going to happen for young guards. And you got to hope that, you know, you got to hope that it doesn't continue throughout his career. I don't think it will. Also had a miscommunication one with, with Mike Muscala, just simply, mis- or no, Al Horford, just simply miscommunication. That's not a repeatable turnover, the same way that leaping up in the air and just throwing the ball away is. Uh, so you can take away two turnovers and, and just give them to you know, young and, and uh, young point guard and also not having enough time on the court with somebody, which he didn't with that miscommunication play. And so then he only has one turnover. That was really bad. So you, know, you can manipulate these stats all you want to, but the bottom line is even for a high usage player, even for the first time he's being a point guard, he has three turnovers in this one, and that's one of his higher turnover games. And then he gets a block in this game of the defensive end. Uh, he gets seven assists, ten rebounds, six of which came defensively, four of which came offensively. And then he has that amazing run. He has that amazing 12-point third quarter that really, I think, is the cause of this win. I mean, obviously, if you don't get those 12 points from Shea, you don't win this game. And I think that Shea really lit a spark, and you saw him playing with such intensity and such fire and such passion in this game. You could tell that it still felt big to play in MSG even without the fans. And I'm, I'm surprised as I, as I wake up today and – check out the internet and everything. I don't see 15 million New York Knicks blogs talking about how they're going to get Shea because he said after the game that he loves playing in MSG. And I'm so surprised that Knicks blogs didn't aggregate that. And like, oh my gosh, Shea is absolutely coming here. Maybe they've matured a little bit. But normally you'd see like a 15 slideshow page from, from a New York Knicks site about Shea saying he loves playing in MSG. But he was phenomenal. And Shea is one of the most fun players to watch in the NBA. I know that it sounds... I know that sounds homerish from 
you know, the guy that hosts Locked on Thunder. But the way he gets those 12-point runs, the way that he gets to the 25 points, it's not only efficient, it's smooth and effortless, it seems. And it just, it, it looks as though he's just so in control of everything he does as a third-year player. And we've talked about the obstacles he's faced to get here. We've talked about, you know, going from three different offensive schemes and, and going from three different head coaches in his three years and three different, you know, totally different roster constructions in those three years. And to still look smooth and effortless is a big deal to me. There are times where you just look up and you don't even realize the kind of stats he's putting up because he's just doing it so efficiently and so smooth. So I, I love watching Shea. I think he's one of the most fun players to watch. And then with Lou Dort, we've got to talk about the young guys here in the second segment. But Lou Dort, he played extremely well. And he did make a three-point shot. He, it took six attempts to do so. He went one for six. But he made one. And so his streak continues. He's made a three in every single game this year. So credit to, to Lou Dort. Goes two for nine. A really bad offensive night for him. But those are going to happen, especially with Lou Dort, who's going to be so up and down his whole career. But none of those nine shots felt forced or like terrible shots. So, you know, you do you do appreciate that. And also the fact that he stays locked in defensively. He got six defensive rebounds, eight rebounds total, one assist, one block. And he really flustered R.J. Barrett. I mean, R.J. Barrett goes seven for 21, one for three from beyond the arc. R.J. Barrett was a shell of himself. He's been playing well this season. He really has. But he was not good in this one, even though he tallies up 19 points. And that's all thanks to Lou Dort. And Lou Dort played really good defense once again. I know it's not the big name. I know it's not Damian Lillard. I know it's not Donovan Mitchell. But still, you've got to give credit to Lou Dort for getting just the better of R.J. Barrett, who had been, again, turning his career around a little bit this season. He's been a different player, R.J. Barrett has, this season than what we saw a year ago. And he's taking that second-year leap a little bit. And for Ludor to come in this game and just absolutely fluster him to that extent, I mean, literally 33% from the field, goodness. I mean, you just have a special defender with Ludor. Even though we all knew that, it's still fun to watch that night in and night out. And then in this game also, Mike Muscala left the game after 14 minutes with a rib injury, a rib contusion. Uh, basically, what Mark said, what, what happened was that he already had like a bruise there for like layman's terms. He already had like a bruise there. And then he got hit in the exact same spot. And so anytime you get hit in the bruise, it's going to hurt a lot. And so he left the game and uh, it sounds like he'll be fine, but we'll know more during the media availabilities today. And then also Isaiah Roby steps up big. And I want to, I want to echo what Mark said about giving Isaiah Roby praise for here's a guy that was told in this day, you know, told yesterday on Friday, listen, you're not going to play tonight. You're not in the rotation, but to stay ready. And he did stay ready. And then he goes in for four minutes, albeit it's only four minutes, but listen, this game was close for most of this, most of this contest. He played a valuable four minutes for the Thunder. He goes one for one from the field. That doesn't really matter. Two for two from the free throw line. But also, in those four minutes, played really good defense, was rotating really well. And, and once again, we saw him at times positioning his teammates defensively. And so that's a big deal for a young player like Isaiah Roby. Even though it was only four minutes, you could still take something away from him. Uh, but most importantly, the fact that he was ready to play those four minutes. We will wrap this game up on the other side. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Folks, I've got a very important announcement. As I am Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Very important announcement today. Uh, we started the season over until the New Orleans game on the Moneyball, and I picked Mike Muscala, and he went off. And now today, we are streaking, folks. I've got two straight wins in the Moneyball because I picked SGA to lead the team in three-pointers made, and he did just that, going three for three. Al Horford also had three, so if you had Al Horford, you're also a big winner today. But not only did I get the Moneyball right, I got the bet of the day right, brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. I bet Oklahoma City plus two and a half. That cashes in as they win outright. The MVP of this game has to be Hamadou Diallo. He played fantastic, and you just got to give a huge hat tip to Diallo. I said you got his best game earlier this week, and in fact, you didn't. And so I struggle to say you got your, your best game from Diallo today, but I think that you truly did. So I'll go ahead and say it anyway, that this was the best Diallo game you're going to see from him this season. But hey, I said that last time, so maybe I should just keep saying that every game. I should just keep saying that over and over and over again. And then each game, he'll go another step up and be an even better player and give you an even better game. Maybe that can cause all this. So I'll say it again, that this was the best game from him and do Diallo. So coming up on Monday's show, we're going to recap the Nets game that happens on Sunday. We're going to talk about the G League bubble. We're going to talk about the G League draft, which happens Monday afternoon. And I'll get you set for all of that and what to expect from the bubble for the NBA G League season. Uh, talk about the draft, the G League season, all that good stuff. We're also, like I said, going to recap the Brooklyn Nets game. So a lot to get to on Monday. Uh, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. This is the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.